You're listening to a Brain Stew Fresh Fright Review. What's up, creeps? And welcome to another Brain Stew Fresh Frights Review. I'm Justin. And I'm Leatherface. Just kidding, Uh, I'm Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. Jeremy. Little little idle hand. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Brady. And tonight, we're going to be reviewing what has quickly become one of the most divisive horror movies in recent years. But we couldn't do it alone. We are absolutely thrilled to have one of the co-hosts of the Halloweenies podcast from Bloody Disgusting. And he's also a co-host on the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show, Mike Vanderbilt. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. Really looking forward to this. Uh, I just noticed your Sartain oh, yeah. shirt. Had to rep. Love you guys. Dude, when we went to... I just remember all the compliments you got on that shirt when we went to the on-set cinema for The Prowler. Everyone wanted that shirt off your Way back. more compliments than I thought I was going to get. I was like, man, this isn't even a Halloween event. <laughs> uh, the Cult of Sartain lives. Uh, yeah, we're doing The Prowler for one of our Patreon episodes coming up, so keep an eye out for that one. One of my favorites. Oh, fuck yeah. We covered that. that, I think, what, back in November or something with Joe for Movie Dumpster. It was an absolute blast to revisit that one. of my one. favorites. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of Joe Zito. Oh, yeah, me too. I I mean, in my opinion, he made one of the best slashers of all time with the final chapter. So it's... Yeah, and I feel like that one's a dry run for the final chapter. Would sure. you agree? Oh, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good practice. But ladies and gentlemen, we're here to talk about, like Brady perfectly said, a movie that got released on Netflix last <laughs> week. and uh... More divisive than The Last Jedi. <laughs> 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 See, luckily for those two, they don't live on Twitter, so uh, I always, I always tell them, I'm like, don't go on there. It's, it's, it's hell. We'll, it's we'll scary, go back man. and forth. And... You know, it's not so bad. You just, you really have to mute the right people. You got to curate your experience on Twitter. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, but I, I enjoy seeing the discourse for me as an outside. Oh, you're a bit of a masochist. Um, I see. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I like to hurt a lot. But <laughs> in, the, in the case of this movie, it seems like a lot of people are being hurt by it. Which is, and it's a which Texas is, Chainsaw movie. Which is surprising <laughs> because, I mean, dude, leading up to this thing, all we heard was nothing but negative things. And like literally everybody pre this movie coming out was saying, man, this movie's going to suck. I'm still going to watch it. But God, I'm not expecting much. And dude, it's very divisive but I'm seeing so much love for this thing too which is so surprising considering how everybody went into it man yeah Yeah, I I think it's from my perspective and what I've seen it's been pretty split down the middle I know people are saying 70-30 I'm saying 50-50 because I have yet to see someone say it was okay it's either I had a fucking blast and loved it or it's the worst piece of shit ever made and I honestly sit right there at the middle with it I'd say it's uh, that rare two and a half star film that I kind of like Yeah, I mean, no, 100%. We might as well start with you because you are our guest on this episode of Brain Stew. What are your initial thoughts on this movie after your first watch? Well, the original 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre remains one of my favorite horror movies of all time. The franchise as a whole, eh, it's subpar, though. It's, I mean, it's really no easy feat to follow up a Stone Cold classic like that one. Most of them... 100%, one of the best. Most of them sit on the lower end of the scale. I mean, that that one was a game changer, and it's... 
it, it's so hard to follow that up. And most of them, I mean, this franchise kind of, it's not quite as bad as Hellraiser, but I need to ask you guys, what are your favorite Texas Chainsaw, Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel? I'll jump right in, part two for sure. I'm, I'll tell you mine, which is going to be surprising, 2003's uh, remake with Jessica Biel. Yeah, same for me, 2003's remake. I really like the 3D one, uh, even with the go get them cuz, go do your thing cuz line. Go win! Oh, oh shit. Damn. And I even like the Absolutely. Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. I love that movie. I mean, at least it gets a little bit weird, and I feel like with the returning, uh, with co-writer Kim Hankel coming back, co-writer the original, come back and kind of bringing a little bit more of that satirical <laughs> edge yeah. to it that him and Toby thought that they had. Is this the first appearance of All Right, All Right, All Right from Matthew McConaughey? No, he, yeah, he he had just done... Um, yeah, he did Days and Confused first, right? Yeah, and he, he liked that line so much that he, he incorporated it in as, as Vilmer. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, the iconic Vilmer. All right, all right, all right. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, let's talk about Renee Zellweger. Best she's ever looked. Like, total stone-cold fox in that one. Uh, other than that, like, Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, I just find to be forgettable. I can't even remember what happens. I like the cocaine energy of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Um... What else is there? The remake's slick, but uh, and I never really saw it. I don't even think I saw any of the sequels to the remake. But yeah, but big fan of that original one. Hard mm-hmm. to touch, right? Big time. Yeah, I mean, you watching this trailer, man, uh, even watching the trailer, I was like, man, I'm going to watch it because I'll watch. Give me any Hellraiser. Give me any Friday the 13th. Give, give me any Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm going to fucking watch it. I'm going to watch it the first chance I get opening No matter night. what. No opening, matter what. Opening night. But I watched this trailer and I was like, this is not going to be good. It's not going to be good. And then, I mean, dude, there's literally beat for beat. It's Halloween 2018. That's how it was advertised. Um, You know, some some differences in there for sure, which I'm sure we'll get into. But watching this trailer, I was I was not 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 super stoked for it. Put it that way. Yeah, I mean, I really liked that they were going to go for the old man Leatherface when that was announced, and I thought, okay, this has got some potential, and then everything we saw was just Halloween 2018 light, or just everything that they could have done wrong with Halloween 2018, they funneled into this movie. Or everything they did row wrong on Halloween 2018, just done again. Mm. I mean, we but, all uh, know yeah. from the new Scream, I mean, they, they say it as plain as day and the dialogue, you know, what a requel is and that all of these movies have been following suit with The Force Awakens ever since it came out. And it's been kind of the, the formula, if you will, to bring back old characters, try to bring a fresh new take to a franchise. I'm OK and with it. I, I, I've, I've accepted it. And then what they go and do is they make Absolutely. the same mistakes that all the other sequels make and they just do them again. I just I don't understand it. It seems asinine to me. I mean, do we really need uh, a legacy sequel to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can agree with that. I think for me, from my standpoint initially and going into this movie after my first watch, I mean, people are like, where's the story? A bunch of young people invade Leatherface's home and end up getting slaughtered. I mean, it sounds about right to me. And at sure. 81 minutes, it's lean, mean, killing machine, doesn't waste any time getting to the gore. I just, for the most part, I, I, I was getting angry at some of the shit that I saw on screen, but I kind of really loved every single thing else about the movie where I was so entertained and like Texas Chainsaw from my perspective and I know I've gotten heat for this for years and saying that the original Texas Chainsaw is not 
a typical slasher movie. In my mind, I don't even consider it a slasher really um, in terms of like it's in comparison to what we think of as a slasher in our head, you know, post Halloween, if you will, or even probably more so post Friday the 13th. So the fact that they're giving us a straight up slasher movie, like a fucking by the numbers gore fest, you know, kill list, mark them down when they're going to get killed and how. And for the, like I said, for the most part, for me, like in terms of enjoyment, it worked on that level. Mike, <laughs> I can agree with that. Uh, interesting I, enough, though, is is David Blue Garcia, the director, has said that in in this you know sequel that the other films could still exist. That he did not wipe the slate clean. So I can at least appreciate that that perhaps some of those films could have happened. You know, from the time that the first one ended to the time that we get this this new one, because it's fifty years later. So take that for what you will. I feel. So wait a minute. Was Leatherface like twelve in that first movie? That was a big ass twelve year old. Yeah, from from what I read, is he was supposed to be uh, like twenty years old in the seventy four film. So he's supposed to be roughly around the same age as Sylvester Stallone and Arnold Schwarzenegger, what they are right now. So I buy the fact that he's still fucking too. people up. I buy it. Yeah, those dudes <laughs> no. can still fucking do bodybuilding and run fucking. Yeah, up but they weren't fucking living in an orphanage for the past fifty years. They're at the but fucking that's world's what, gym. By the way, why, fucking why, roiding it up. Why the fuck is Leatherface living in an orphanage? Okay, okay I, so like, tell I, me I, now. I, okay, I got why? you. I got you on this. So right, I've right. I've watched the film. I've I've watched but the film. But you have to include the other sequels. Hold on, hold on. So I've watched the film twice, okay? So what from what I gather is after the events of the first film is the family went on the run, right? So Leatherface is obviously a mentally retarded man that his family has taken advantage of. They've molded him into a shark, a killing machine, right? So when they take off, he goes into town, which obviously is very close because, spoiler alert, at the end of the post credit scene, he walks back home. Right, so obviously he lives very close to where that orphanage is. He wanders into town, and See, if you I, listen, I, I thought I thought he walked like for three days. I thought that's what that was. <laughs> if, that's how long the credits were. Yeah. <laughs> if if you if if you listen to what <laughs> that's right, he's like Forrest Gump. He just kept running. If you listen to what Mama says from the orphanages, she's taken in you know orphans, she's taken in troubled youths, troubled adults. And so he would have been, you know, roughly 20 years old. So a year later when that picture was taken on the wall, it was a year after the events of the first film, right? So from what I've gathered as well is obviously she hid the chainsaw in her walls in the bedroom because she knows what he did. She wants to help him. She wants to rehabilitate him because she understands that his family has taken advantage of him and made him a shark essentially. So she not only hides the murder weapon, but she seals the wall up. Leatherface knows where the chainsaw is, so when the police come and they're escorting her and Leatherface out of the house, she's pleading with them, please, please, he doesn't do well outside because she knows that he's a shark. Once she's gone, he becomes the fucking shark again, and he knows exactly where his murder weapon is, so that is how he ended up in the orphanage. That's what I've picked up. Look at that. God damn it, Jeremy. He ended up in the orphanage at 20 years old? 21, yeah, but if you listen to what she said, is she she helped troubled people out, mm-hmm. as well as children. Right. Yeah, 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 all right. That is true. He did, that. that is said in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. There's no other way to know, really. I mean, he could just be a big, big kid. He was wearing a mask most of the time, so it's, you know, it's, it's hard to tell. That's so true. <laughs> 100%. So, all right, guys, I think we have to address one of the things that people seem to hate the most, and that's the new characters in this movie. Uh, are, are they just there written 
to be <laughs> brutally murdered? I, 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 I'm pretty sure they were. Well, I think they're supposed to be unlikable. From the time we meet them at that gas station, you know, he calls, the character calls them gentrifuckers. It's a bunch of ripped yuppies coming in from Austin. They bought this whole town. They're going to gentrify it. They're going to turn it into one of the, just a whole town of coffee shops with cute neon signs that say, you know, stay strong uh, above the espresso machine. Uh, and really, I mean, there's a long history of unlikable characters in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We have Franklin <laughs> in the original. We don't learn much about those other characters in the first one. They're all relatively blank slates. We don't know about their past. They can be yes. unlikable for all we know. And like I said, and it's kind of very on the nose that having them come from Austin where they're trying to turn this town into another Austin or what Austin's a become. A mini Austin, basically. Mm. Yeah, that sounds like a cult. <laughs> And then they try to backpedal it a little bit and try to make these characters a little bit more likable, like when Mel decides like they shouldn't have kicked the old lady out. And uh, I don't know, they should have just ran with it and made Leatherface the anti-hero, I think. I, yeah, it's unfortunate. I really, I hated them all. And I you think them part of it is that Every it was one intentional, of them? but I think it's just like, there's so much missing from the plot revolving around them that just doesn't add up. And maybe I got too caught up in that, but it's, and then like Mike said, they're trying to backpedal a little bit and like make Mel seem sympathetic because she feels bad about kicking out the old lady, which also I don't, I didn't buy the deed in her house, meaning that it was still her house. Yeah. But I digress. I, 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 and then I, I understand that you want to put in the thing about the school shooting with Lila but it it didn't go anywhere and it seemed it had almost no kind of way. distasteful it, it had was like, no way I certainly don't mind them putting, you know, social commentary into horror movies. It's been going on since the beginning of time. But the school shooting thing, like, yeah. it makes sense. It's it's something that happens to kids these days. But unfortunately, I don't think it really does much for Lila's arc. She never really utilizes anything from that experience to grow throughout the film. At least not that I remember. I, see, I, I disagree. I, I, A, I liked the characters of Melody and Lila. I liked the older sister feeling like she has to take care of the younger sister. And the whole fact that... Lila is a school shooting survivor. Um, I really do think she has a story arc because she can barely touch the gun when she's in Richter's garage, right? And she's very traumatized, obviously, by what happened. So then we get to the point where, spoiler alert, Sally is fucked up and Lila's about to take off running and Sally tells her, don't run. If you run, he'll he's gonna haunt, this is gonna haunt you forever, just like the school shooting is because that had been traumatizing her throughout, you know, she was having flashes in her head of the moment that she was in that school shooting so at the end she becomes empowered she's no longer the person that's running she picks up the gun and she goes after I'm, I'm gonna keep saying it she goes after the shark she goes after the person that is adding more trauma to her life so I do feel like that that story arc did come full circle she went from not being able to touch a gun to grabbing a gun and going after the bad guy so I dug I that get what, I get what you're saying but I <clears throat> to me, that whole, it just felt disjointed. So when there's supposed to be that finality of the arc, it, it just, again, it seemed wasted. And I thought it was distasteful. But I'll, I'll say this much. I think that Elsie Fisher as Lila was probably the best character in the entire piece. I mean, Amazing. she's the oh, only yeah. one that's really given anything about her that's remotely relatable or likable. And I thought that, you know, Elsie did a fantastic job in the role. Everyone else kind of just d does what they're supposed to do. I could not stand the character of Mel and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I couldn't stand her because when she, at that end, I mean, I'm just going to say it right out right now, even though we're not there yet. I think this has one of the best end scares in yes. horror history. I fucking loved it yes. so much that I jumped out of my fucking seat on my couch and cheered. So did I. Uh, I was like, 
maybe I'm getting a little bit too far with the best, one of the best ever, maybe top 50. All right, there you go. Um, <laughs> think, think about it. It's been a long time since you've had a really fucking awesome, like jump for joy out of your seat ending to a horror movie where yeah. you're like, holy fuck. I mean, we used to get them all the time in the 80s. You got her. You got that woman. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is what I wanted. It's a testament. Sarah Yarkin, I mean, a lot of good performance in this one. And uh, hers is one of the best because she does make that character very unlikable. Uh, it's a good performance. Yeah. Oh, of course. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't I don't think she would be remotely close to being the hateful character she is without that performance. But I mean, the one thing is, is they try to quickly redeem her as soon as I mean, the whole thing starts over an African-American guy asking them to remove a rebel flag. And then by doing so, this is what really causes all of this mayhem. I'm not sure what they were really trying to say there if they were trying to say anything. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah. there's a lot of stuff like, in this movie that just seems shoehorned in like they're just trying to throw ev- anything at the wall and see what sticks uh, to make this in some way relevant in 2022. You yeah. know... I think a big part of, of the reason for that is there has to be a longer cut of this movie because there was test screenings and Sally Hardesty, she had to have meant more to the store than what we got. I feel I sure like fuck hope so. I feel like they had to have shot a ton more stuff. Maybe in the test screenings, you know, people said, hey, you know, there's parts that really drag out and it, it doesn't move as quickly as we'd like. And and I feel like in the editing process, they took a lot of things out to keep this movie going. Um, So I feel like, especially for Sally Hardesty, that there is a ton of footage that we did not get that was shot or intended to be sh- shot. Yeah, I feel like a lot of that might be because of the test audiences, especially that moment where she has Leatherface in her sights, lets him go, and then comes out and starts shooting yeah. at him. Like, I can suspend my best belief, but that just seems kind of asinine to me. I mean, yeah. the fact that they included this character, I feel like it was a huge mistake. She doesn't come into the movie until almost 40 minutes into the runtime and there's only like 35 minutes left of it or whatever um and they don't really do anything with her at all i mean she's yeah. kind of like there to shoot a gun a couple times and say a couple of cheesy lines and then that's the end of it she's done it's it's really i mean i i came down so hard on halloween kills for bringing in legacy characters just to kill them after bad dialogue is spoken and this is even worse than that i mean obviously we know they had to recast the part for obvious reasons but bringing in somebody different and then you're not going to do anything with the character you're to Lori Stroder and then not do anything with her and make her lackluster and basically forgettable. Dude, when when she came around the side of the building with the gun and she shot it and she said, <laughs> I have to I have to tell you, I was like, oh no, I've been enjoying this movie so far and I feel like it's about to go down. And now you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, the bank manager from The Dark Knight when he comes out when they're robbing the bank. Yeah. It was perfect. <laughs> you know who you're messing with? Yeah. You and your friends are dead. <laughs> You know, I did like. I mean, it. I did like that they brought John Larroquette back, uh, another legacy character, and uh, they had him doing the narration on that true crime documentary. But it's hard for me to buy that this town, uh, fifty years on, is still hanging on uh, with all that trinkets in yeah. the gift shop, yeah. I like the yeah, little little chainsaw keychains and shit. What did uh, what do you guys think about though? I, I mean, I know we think that she's just thrown away here, but when she finally confronts Leatherface. 
and she like lists the names of her friends. Dude, like, how'd you feel about I, that? I I like that part, and I feel like I feel like it was kind of a powerful scene because here's this moment that she's been thinking of for all these years, and she probably had rehearsed that in her mind so many times. And when she finally does that, he doesn't even know who the fuck she is. He's like, I don't know I who love you it. are, and for whatever reason, <laughs> he's like, he's not even interested in killing her in the house. He just wants the girls that fucked with him and his mama. And and I dug that as well. Well, yeah, yeah. I think it calls back to the original where he's just protecting the homestead from the interlopers. Yeah, I uh, I think. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Sorry, I was just gonna say that I think. It could have been done. I'm sure, like Jeremy said, that something got cut. But if she had had a little more time to show like a complete breakdown and sit there shaking a little more while he walks out, I think it, it could have had a much bigger impact instead of her just silently watching him go away. Yeah, Sally, like everything else in this movie, just kind of seems shoehorned in to the proceedings. Like they want to bring her in because they're really trying to do that Halloween 2018 thing and you know making it the direct sequel and bringing back the survivor. And you know, I think it's kind of yeah. a waste. I think it's a mistake to kill her off so unceremoniously. I just think they, 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 there was a smarter way to do all this. Uh, it just seems wasted. Yeah. I mean, the stakes are very small and they don't really do anything. The fact that she says the line, I waited 50 years. I'm like, and you're going to wait five more minutes after she's got the gun on him? I'm like, dude, you were 50 a Texas years? Ranger. Oh, what's five minutes? <laughs> I'm just going to look at you. I, I wasn't expecting them to offer like that. Like, my I, I watched it with a buddy, and when this whole scene was going down, he was like, oh, dude, they're about to kill the fuck out of her. And I said, there's no way. She just came into the movie. Like, there's no way they're going to kill her right now. <laughs> Next thing, and it was like, and she's up in the air and i was like are you fucking kidding me had it been marilyn burns had she still been with us and had it been marilyn burns i would have been furious the fact that it was the fact that it was not marilyn burns i was like okay i I still didn't like that they offed her like that but i was like all right well i'm not as mad as i would have been had it i mean it was really cool to watch but i mean to do that to a character it's again going back to what we said about halloween kills You're, you're bringing in characters just to kill them in the most crazy way you can without any weight or any stakes no emotional connection but i mean one of the things that the characters may not work necessarily but one of the things that do what does work in this movie are the kills they are memorable at the very least and very gory <laughs> yeah as soon as when they're in the the police van and he snaps the dude's fucking arm and stabs him in the throat with it with his own bone mm-hmm. his own bone i was like this movie's going to be for me I just had that Same. feeling. I knew it because, and, and it went there. It went for the gusto, straight for the throat, just like that kill. It did not hold back. And the one of my favorite things about this movie is Leatherface himself and the way he is portrayed. I feel like this is the first time, maybe, well, probably since the remake, because I really do enjoy the portrayal in the remake, but the first time in decades where he is a force of nature, much like Jeremy said, he is a shark. I mean, we even get the reference with the chainsaw, you know, chasing after her when she's underneath the house. Yeah. Um, He's a presence he's scary he's menacing and foreboding and like with that chainsaw he's standing there there are some beautiful shots of him just standing there iconic imagery that we haven't gotten of that character in a long time yeah, yeah you know part of the problem is like this character just doesn't feel like <laughs> Leatherface though he yeah. he feels like uh, you know more like Jason uh, in this one I, I just don't buy Leatherface being so methodical in this film where in the first movie he's got a little bit more of a man energy to him and he's 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 unhinged he can't be stopped and it's kind of an odd choice to take you know something like texas chainsaw mask and try to do this legacy sequel which is supposed to be 
You know, all those sequels that you loved, we're going to throw all that shit out the window, and we're just going to do the real true sequel, and it really doesn't carry much in the same sense in the tone of the original, in that, like, you know, that's a relatively bloodless film, and they decided to put all of the blood in this one and maybe if this was like no i agree it 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 almost reminded me of like when rob zombie did his halloween movies where it would have been great on its own as a film but when you're taking this intellectual property and saying okay i'm making a leatherface film i'm resetting it and then you take somebody who was so manic and so crazy and i mean mentally handicapped and now you're making him this calculated killer that is playing tricks and toying with his prey like the shape does like it just it didn't add up to me it did it's like the scene that I like was ready to turn it off is when he throws the hammer down the stairs oh. and hits Mel and throws her backwards. I was like, "Come the fuck on!" Fucking love like, that. You're, not, you're telling me that Bubba scene. would do that. Bubba yeah, would not do too. that, dude. Yeah, I don't buy. I don't buy Leatherface being the methodical <laughs> killer that he is in this one. Uh, in, the, in that first film, in all the sequels, he's kind of mani- uh, a maniac. He's unhinged. He's uncontrollable. I'm with you on that. And yeah. to see him kind of like mm-hmm. stalk his prey in this one yeah. just feels out of character. Especially in comparison to the original one, which is this one is trying to be the true follow-up to. And I think that was a mistake on the filmmaker's parts. And and to to your point, I I understand that. I think they they took a version of Leatherface that was kind of a a mixture of all the different versions we've seen. Because let's face it, I mean, they've changed that character in terms of his behavior a lot throughout these movies. So while we're looking at the first movie, I think that's my main issue with everyone constantly comparing it to just the first movie and forgetting about all of the sequels just because it's a direct sequel to the original doesn't mean a lot of those elements aren't going to seep through into this version and it's it's listen yeah as a screenwriter the screenwriter it's hard for him to forget those movies exactly like those movies are always going to be part of the ether uh whether they're part of the canon or not but I think where they make their mistake is that, you know, by trying to be that direct sequel, the official sequel, this is what <laughs> this is what is what really happened after the Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is where they this is where the sequel falters. I also think this is one of the worst masks in the history of the franchise. Really? I actually I like I, kinda, I agree. I started I like to it. like it. Yeah. I like I, uh, it. I like the process that it shows of him getting the mask and I love that scene of him holding it up to the sky but once he puts it on I it wasn't scary I was just laughing at it I like la- when he's behind uh the character of Ruth in the van and she turns around I like I think I just laughed out loud <laughs> I, I like I like the fact that he cuts ear holes in the mask so it fits on his face without any kind of strap or anything. Like I was like, I get that, man. I, I had to wear those masks. I, I, I dig that, man. I dig it. And, you know, going back to, you know, Mel, dude, how suspenseful was that when Leatherface was in his room and she, you know, she's in this loud ass fucking house. So she's like climbing on the banister. She makes it safely on the stairs without making a noise. And then when the camera pans up, there's this fucking gargantuan man. And with no time to even process it. He immediately throws the fucking mallet at her. Hits her you in the really chest. You really liked that, Jeremy. You I really liked that. I fucking loved it. Dude, and next thing you know, she's under the fucking house. Dude, it's like a, re- a reverse shark fin. Reverse with the, jaws. With the man. fucking, with the chainsaw. Dude, he cuts open. You a, really into sharks. He, yeah, yeah. Uh, sharks, sharks, sharks. Uh, I think he, it's cool. He fucking, he cuts open a, a pipe that has his own feces in it. Dude, she got covered in leather poo. Right. So all the people, Ooh. all the all the people that fucking hate this movie, that's exactly how they feel is they, they feel like they're covered in leather poo. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. When all the fecal matter fell on the young lady, I thought that uh, it was going to they were going <laughs> to do her dirty like they did uh, Sally and just really put her through the ringer in that first movie. Yeah. 
It doesn't get much I, better uh, for her, though. <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy the sequence when Dante got killed with the uh, door swinging back yeah. and forth. Uh, that reminded that was very cool. I thought it was sharp and kind of a throwback to the steel <gasps> door from the original. That reminded me straight up of a Texas Chainsaw style kill, even mm-hmm. though in the original you don't see much of the actual death happening. In this one, I thought it was a good mix of having that, but still being really gruesome and really violent. I really liked um, Ruth in the van where he just like slices open her abdomen. I thought that was pretty good. That whole scene actually, uh, yeah. to be honest with you, I thought was very well prepared, very suspenseful. I felt a couple of scenes in this movie actually had suspense, which yeah. is something that's always sorely missing from modern slashers. It's something that they seem to forget. And that's one of the most important factors of the original Texas Chainsaw is you know they're going in the house and you haven't seen much yet, just a little, but you know something's going to go down. And, you know, it's it's that amazing thing about those early movies from that era that did it so perfectly, which filmmakers, it seems that they, they feel like modern audiences can't wait that long for something. So they just give it to you right in the beginning. So it was good to see a couple of scenes that were like that. It's like at the end of the uh, Friday the 13th remake where they have the surprise ending and they don't even give you like enough time to relax before they have Jason uh, jumps out of the water, I think, right? He comes out of the water, yeah. And, yeah. and while I really like that movie for what it is, I, I found that, I was like, really, you're going to do that? You have the opportunity to do anything else with this, but have him come out of the water and, and, and the way it's shot and the angle, terrible ending, but you know. Yeah. I, uh, I liked Richter's kill too. I thought, again, some plot issues. I was like, how is this dude who's like maybe 180 pounds pushing back on Leatherface, pushing him into a window? But then when he smacks the shit out of his knee. Oh, oh, brutal as shit. Brutal. And then he just goes after his head. Yeah, I did did appreciate that. The, the gore in this movie was almost comical, which actually might be thrown yeah. back to the uh, the original film with kind of that satirical bent. Uh, like, it's almost it's almost cartoonish, like when that, that leg breaks, where you're almost, you're still kind of laughing, you're, 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 you're wincing, but you're laughing at it at the same time. And I really liked the character of Richter, and I think he was kind of given a short shrift too, because I thought it was an interesting, he subverted expectations when you first meet him, you kind of expect him to be a foil, but then when he starts to bond, with the younger sister it brings a sure. kind of a yeah. more a subversive element to it where you know he's not i i didn't expect him to go out i didn't expect him to go out when when he went out and it was it was brutal as shit and you know we we should expect that this movie was going to be brutal as shit and it was gonna bring the red stuff because i mean dude Fetty alvarez 2013's evil dead he, mm-hmm. he was behind this he he came up with the story you know he was a producer I wish he directed on this it, but dude <laughs> i wish he directed it the director uh, when, when i heard, the when I heard still his... did a great job it looked beautiful. I mean, he came in after the movie had already started production. There was the, you know, the, the previous team that was involved. Uh, uh, Ryan and Andy Toehill were initially signed on. I believe it was like the first week or the second week they ended up leaving the production. First week. Yeah. So, yep. but for me, when I heard his name attached to another Texas Chainsaw, I mean, I loved Don't Breathe. I've loved pretty much everything that Alvarez has come out with. I was really upset that he was just going to produce. And obviously he wrote the story for this, which seems like everybody is shitting on the screenplay and the story. And I, I totally get it. But, you know, but since he's just got the story by credit, the basic idea. Okay. Yeah. I wonder how much of that maybe got lost in the translation to the screenplay or to the re-edits that were done after the, after the, the, the poor test screenings, because I feel like there's a good base there of like, like that. I keep bringing up that satirical element of that first film. 
film where he really kind of wants to take the piss out of the influencer culture, the yuppie culture. And I feel like a lot of that's probably been left on the cutting room floor because I really like, I really liked Don't Breathe. I haven't seen Don't uh, Breathe yeah, too, he but he knows how to turn a character into, he knows how to turn a character into an anti-hero. Terminator 2. Yeah. I mean, they make, they make a rapist an anti-hero. Yeah. yeah ter- Terminator 2, man. <laughs> yeah, but dude, the T-800 doesn't rape anybody in the Terminator. Uh, debatable. You saw. Debatable. He's not sticking a turkey base. <laughs> I mean, really? He's just a machine. He doesn't understand. I don't think they have a sex drive built in, do they? Would have been programmed. That'd be dangerous. I've been reprogrammed. It was definitely programmed. Oh, God. Don't get us started there. We got a huge Terminator fan there with Mr. Jeremy. But, right. Um, All right. What about... What about that bus kill? We gotta, I, I was scene. just about to bring about it up. It? The fucking bus scene. Come on. Yep. The bus scene is arguably the centerpiece of this movie and definitely doesn't fall in line tonally with that original film because as we've discussed, the original film was relatively bloodless and they decided to put all of the blood into this scene. And you got like you got a couple really good shots in there. You have the bloody hands on the windows of the bus. You've got the puddle of blood oozing into the bathroom. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but one of my favorite kind of small shots in there is right after oh, he uh the girl's in the window and you see a little bit of intestine just kind of ooze out of the window and slides down i love oh it. yeah after after she gets chopped in half oh yeah. that was beautiful yeah, loved like, it memorable i mean i would almost say worth the price of admission i really dug that part it was cool exactly think about this movie if it didn't have any of that and see how many people would have enjoyed it i get people being purists in, in a way wanting a slightly bloodless type Texas Chainsaw. That's just not how it is anymore. I mean, I would have loved going into Halloween 2018 being like, well, are they going to make it more suspenseful and less bloody? They're just not going to do that because these movies aren't being made just for purists. They're also being made for, make money. you know, normal GA, young people that are coming into this new and fresh, and they want to impress everybody with it. I think it was a great idea, actually, to make this thing a gore fest. Whether it worked for everybody or not, for me at least, that was my favorite part about it. Without that, I feel like the movie would be basically nothing. Well, again, like this, if this wasn't a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, I feel like this would be heralded as one of the best slasher movies of recent years. It's got a brisk pace. The kills are brutal. Uh, There's, uh, if not likable, least memorable characters but it's hampered by the texas chainsaw massacre moniker yeah what's uh all right so mike i know you said you like 2013's uh movie but which line is worse the do your thing cuz or (laughs) try anything and you're canceled bro See, I buy that. After dude swigs down off a fucking (laughs) bottle of booze. You don't really spend a lot of time with that character, but I do buy that that guy is the kind of guy that would say, you're canceled, bro. Do anything you can. And everybody pulling out their phones, that's exactly what would happen. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. In that situation. They would all be trying to document it. Not living in the moment, as they say. And I thought it was pretty sharp I, I thought it was pretty sharply executed when they had the whole instagram thing live happening <laughs> and you had the commenters you know one guy saying it looks fake people saying that they wish that they were there uh, i thought that was a uh, pretty no actually slick. go fuck yourself if you go there that's what i'm gonna say oh, okay well now i'm just gonna open a brunch place and call it brady's brunch since listen, that's my name I, yeah listen i, I, I think to. one of my favorite things though about that scene i have to bring it up before we forget is when you see the people in the chat on the video yes, when I he's streaming it up. i swear to god I, i'm pretty sure the is like someone's like god i wish i was there and i fucking yeah. laughed hell out. <laughs> 
I thought that was very true, though, that sequence. Did they already if, know? If, if Did you, they already know it was going to be this way? If you look at that uh, at that phone, the person that said it looks fake, it is, it's the director. It's the director's name and his picture. Yeah. He's yeah. the oh, one that shit. says it looks fake. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, pretty sharp. Pretty sharp sequence. It's interesting how that scene alone, though, that that line and everyone having their phones out pissed so many people off that they went and actually grabbed their own phone to tweet how much they hated it. I'm like, listen, it's 2022. I get it. Would you have preferred this movie take place in the 90s at a different time frame so there would be no cell phones? I mean, again, this is trying to connect. It's just it's trying to do something that everyone's going to like. And I know, you know, my 18 year old daughter and her friends are probably going to watch it, too. I mean, this is for everyone. Everybody. And if they don't see phones, think about that. They're like, wait, why don't they have any phones? Yeah, either. Yeah, just, you have to have it. Just set it in the 70s, set it in the 90s. There's there's ways around it, but phones are a part of our life. Hey, it's probably just weirder for us old timers who would have done. They would have, yeah. Who grew up on that those old school movies where there wasn't any. I, speaking of movies, who, I gotta ask, who needs to see The Werewolf of the Alamo? <laughs> Dude, I wanna see that <laughs> fucking movie. It looks good, right? I wanna see that movie, yeah. The standee God, from the great. movie theater. Oh man, like that's that, Dude, that's my I, kind I of picture. I love that location as well. That decrepit, you know, worn down, fucking ceiling falling movie theater. Uh, you know that had that, that was that was wa- my it favorite part of it. So my favorite set for rad, sure. Man, it looks. It's so very rad. interesting that they shot this in Bulgaria. Everyone's like, "This is in Texas. How can it be a Texas chain?" I was, you like, truly don't dude. have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre. I, I, I couldn't tell that it wasn't, so it doesn't matter to me at all. So I thought you, the town was a really cool setting. So you mean to tell me that they didn't actually film Jason X in space? I know, dude, for real. <laughs> I don't know, but like, you know, Texans are very territorial and I feel like like Texas is a state that has a very distinct feel. And maybe it's cuz I've been there, but I it's a reasonable facility, yeah. but it's not uh, 100% dude, I, right. I, I, I go to Texas almost every other year. I've got family in Texas, and, you know, I've never seen a massacre there. I'll All say that. of my exes live in Texas. But I, I do, I, I do massacre some fucking, Friday. I do massacre some barbecue when I'm there. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, for sure. I've been to a uh, Texas Roadhouse, so I mean, <laughs> that counts. Pretty much the same thing. That yeah. counts. You get points for that. Yeah, <laughs> I massacred them rolls. That's what there's I a, there's ah, that's a what they got there. The rolls, right there, Jeremy. The rolls. I'm a big fan. A big mm. fan of the uh, chain restaurant as a former chili head. So I appreciate that. Ah. Well, guys, I think we're at the point where it's time for a little case of trash it or treasure it. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is the segment where we either treasure the movie or trash it. We make it difficult. I know, Mike, you had said earlier on that you were 50-50 in the middle. Unfortunately, you're a guest on this show tonight. You, you, you gotta go one way. We, we made it this way because for years on the show, our main show, we did regular 1 through 10 ratings, and I wanted to make it more interesting, so you kind of had to try really hard to go one way or the other. So, we'll start with you, your final thoughts, and trash it or treasure it. You know, there's a lot of good gore in it, uh, but they waste the Sally character and it just doesn't feel in line with the Texas Chainsaw Legacy. Maybe if it was its own thing, I would dig it a little bit more, but ultimately I feel like this movie has no energy and no soul. So I'm going to have to say trash it. And Brady. 
Ooh, all right. Well, for me personally, I'm going to have to trash this movie. I just, it failed to do anything positive in my view for Leatherface at all. It didn't reinvent the lore or the legend. It didn't continue any effective story for me. It had gore. I love the gore. The kills are great. I'll give it that. But I think it's honestly one of the worst films of the franchise. Oh. And I mean, I would put it below. <laughs> I like, I would rather watch. <laughs> <laughs> I would rather watch Halloween Kills every day for the rest of my life than watch this movie one but more time. But you love that movie, though, so that doesn't I, make a difference. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> so it's it's trash for me. Straight in the garbage disposal. And my boy, Jeremy, I know I know you're going to be I, you're gonna be here with me on this, right? <laughs> here we go. Here we go. This was an insanely fun, brutal, amazingly shot, fast-paced slasher. There is so much to love about this film despite its many problems. I had a blast with it. I can't wait to watch it again, and I've already seen it twice. However, stop bringing back legacy characters just to kill them. Why was Leatherface not eating people? He's a fucking cannibal. He should be eating people. That's that's what makes him scary. He fucking yeah, eats was, people. However, missing the despite cannibalism. its flaws and its shortcomings, I love this fucking movie. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's my, now my third favorite in the series. How about that? I can't do this oh with you anymore. My third favorite. God. Justin, what did I tell you when I came to your house the other day? <laughs> Yep. So, uh, coincidentally, my top three, all three are named Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, <laughs> so there's, <laughs> there is that. So well, Brady fucking called this when he was at my house over the weekend when he was in town. He said, I guarantee it's going to be either his second or third favorite. It might I love even it. be his first. I, said, I love you it. You see dude. that picture he posted wearing the Texas Chainsaw shirt? <laughs> we are. So, I mean, the one thing that we, we wanted to do on this particularly, that especially this movie, is not tell each other what we thought until we sat down to do this just to see. I had a feeling Jeremy loved it, though. But um, myself, I had a blast with this movie. Even though we don't have that family element with Leatherface, it's just him on his own, you know, saw his family. I kind of missed that aspect. I missed more creepy, weird, strange characters being around as well. Um, I thought that would have been cool to have them there. I mean, you think about... Yeah, that's a big part of it. It is. And, and having them there as part of it in that town with all those people, there, there was so much more you could have done than just having them out there and then being in a bus getting killed. Imagine them being out and about and hiding in different parts of the buildings and having, you know, saw family there, you know, new members. It would have been really, really cool. Um, but like Jeremy said perfectly for me, lean, mean, killing machine. I'm a huge slasher guy, as you guys know, and this thing delivered on that front so heavily for me. And it differently than Halloween Kills, where it followed a movie that I thought set things up where it could have been really cool and didn't deliver on that here. Yes, it's a direct sequel to the original, but I know about all the other sequels and was never expecting anything remotely close to the level of classic that is the original. So I went into it realistically and people, you know, I understand having high expectations considering the way they marketed it. But still, be realistic about it. Look at who's involved with it. Look at the tree. Just pay attention. I think that's just one viewpoint to have. And I get it if people are disappointed. I understand. The one thing, though, I got to say before I trash it or treasure is don't fucking be mean to people on the internet. Seriously. Like, so many people are mean to other people because they either liked or disliked this movie. Like, name calling and shit, dude. That's some junior high shit. Have some nuance. Discuss it. Debate it. Don't be hating on people, motherfuckers. It's wrong. I'm going to treasure this movie because like Jeremy said, I can't wait to watch it again. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is our, yeah, our 
our review of the new Texas Chainsaw movie that is currently on Netflix. Check it out if you haven't. And if you already listened to this, this whole thing was spoiled for you. So either way, <laughs> but <laughs> we, 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 we couldn't be more thankful for Mike from Halloweenies for coming on the show. Mike. Thank you for having me. I appreciate coming on. Let's yeah. do this again, um, huh? When are you guys recording next? Uh, we're going to be doing the Foo Fighters, what is it, Studio 666. Ah. We're going to be talking about that when we got screeners for that, so we're excited to give that a watch. And then the following week, I'm going to be doing an EFG classic with the Batman, I'm pretty sure. So got to got got, got cover the Batman on the main show, but 100%. So um, yeah, if for our listeners that are uninitiated, just tell them a little bit about yourself and where they can find you on the socials and your show. So as we said earlier, I do live on Twitter, and you can find me there at Mike Vanderbilt, for better or worse. And, of course, you can listen to me on the Halloweenies podcast. You can join our Patreon. You can also catch me on the Windy City Double Feature Picture Show podcast, where we, we explore double features in the history of the Chicago movie house from a very Chicago point of view. Uh, and as far as Twitter goes, I think you just got to mute the right people. Uh, you got to curate it like your, your, your own physical media collection. I, I couldn't agree more. As long as you, you have the right people in your view, for sure. Um, but, yeah, ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> I think the hardest thing is when people that are obnoxious and you really don't like really like your show and then are fans of it. (laughs) Uh, You know, I want you to listen to the show, but dude, you're like, you know, literally hating on everything I say on a constant basis. But you know what? I've learned to love that. Hey, there's no such thing as bad publicity. I've always lived by those words. (laughs) Well, who the fuck am I to say, ladies and gentlemen? Come at us. Give us bad reviews. If you like what you're hearing, head on over to iTunes right now and leave us a review. I totally agree. If you want to leave us a one-star review, I fucking welcome you to. And Jeremy, where can they find us? Uh, yeah, so they, uh, these are uh, Brains 2 guys. Uh, you can find them on the, uh, the Guy Tunes, uh, Spotify, all those places. Uh, check them out or don't get fucked. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But ladies and gentlemen, thanks again so, so much for listening to this week's episode of Brain Stew, our Fresh Fright review of the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm Justin. I'm Jeremy. I'm Brady. And we'd like to ask you to keep it... Keep it creepy and... Brain Stew!